This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Your support means a lot. Now, here's your host. Hi, I am Benson Gregory. Our special guest back with us this week is Laura Baxter, who uh, was on with us yeah, was two years yeah, ago. That sounds right. Laura is a missionary to Honduras and uh, somebody that I admire greatly. Uh, if you didn't hear the last podcast, you need to go back and listen to it. We talked about how Laura basically just uprooted her life in Lexington, Kentucky, and moved to Honduras to follow God's call in her life. And that still blows my mind to this day to talk about that as we were chatting beforehand about some of the, just the day-to-day life of the struggles, the things that you, you have to go through just to cook right? and, and deal with in Honduras. Um, it's staggering to me that someone would leave a nice environment with all of your needs provided for supposedly and go to Honduras. Sure. But yeah. you did. I did. I did. And that seems to be something that kind of, kind of blows the mind of the people there that they can't quite process that somebody would leave here and what, to come to an environment like that, to come to a developing country when they say so many of them are wanting to get out. So even on the flip side of that, that's that's kind of humbling to think that that is their perspective, that you would want to come and, and spend time in their country. And it certainly shows them that you're serious about what you're talking about. And sure, yeah. I would hope makes them you know give a little bit of extra thought to, wow, this, this person's got to be for real. There's something legit going on here. Right, right. Now, ironically, we are uh, we're actually coming to you from a coffee shop this morning, uh, which is Mono's Coffee Shop, which is in uh, the, uh, the New York of the South, I like to call it, Nicholasville, Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, so if you hear a little bit of background noise or something different, that's what's going on there. Um, but we just came through some horrible storms. And uh, lots of wind, lots of power out. So there's a lot of people on generators. And you were laughing that uh, you're used to generators running in Honduras. So you come to Kentucky, you know, back to the first world, back to where everything is great and handy. And you wake up to generators running and the power being out, (laughs) which is a very common thing in Honduras, right? It is. It is. In the neighborhood where I live, living in an apartment building, since we have elevators, there are... There are days that they will conserve the electricity or they're working on the electricity. And so they will turn that off, but then run the generators so that people aren't trapped in the elevators and they at least have plugs in the hallways where they can can charge their phone. So it's one of those that if I wake up in the morning and hear the generator, then I'm going to know that it's probably going to be at least the next couple of hours that power is going to be a little bit, little bit off before they fix that. So yeah, hearing the sound of generators last night in a friend's house was just kind of, it kind of made me chuckle because it, you come all the way here and hear the generators because there's no power. And, and then you try to travel and you can't because lights are out and it takes you longer to get everywhere, uh, much like it does in Honduras, right? Because right, traffic is so right. bad and things yeah. are backed up and yeah. and things like that. Uh, for anybody who's not listened to the first podcast, give me a quick thumbnail sketch of Honduras. Where is Honduras? What's Honduras like? Tell me about the people. So Honduras is in Central America. So if you look at the map and you go down from the United States to Mexico, then there's a little peninsula between Mexico and South America. So geographically, it's just kind of right in the middle of that peninsula. Um, we have ocean on either side of the country. And it is a Latin American country. It is a developing country. There is also... It's an interesting mix in the country of having the ones that maybe are politicians or working for the embassy that have the super nice houses, 
but then in the same neighborhood right next to it, you may just have a little four-wall shack of wood and tarp and whatever they can throw together. So it's not, there's not a consistent economy. Um, a lot of the expats and missionaries kind of make up the middle class for the most part. So it's definitely a good mix of, of not cultures, that's not the English word. I struggle with my English sometimes. Um, <laughs> You've been there that long. I have been there that long, yes. Um, but it's kind of an interesting just mix of social classes. And so for people coming in, you're probably going to see the things that you might expect to see in a third world country. But living in the capital city, then you do see a lot of the North American restaurants and mm-hmm. they love their chicken. So there's a KFC there. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> They're they're all over the world. I found. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, slightly variant on their menu items, but um, just your typical Mexican food, which is very different than Honduran, but somewhat the same as far as tacos and um, baleadas are kind of like a burrito, and mm-hmm. so food. I actually really do miss the Honduran food when I'm here, but fortunately there is a restaurant in Frankfurt that serves authentic. Honduran food. So I have eaten there a couple times on this trip just uh-huh. to kind of get a taste of home. A little taste so, of home. Yeah. yeah. Incidentally, I'm told if you go to the Great Pyramids in Egypt, mm-hmm. one of the best views of the Great Pyramids is from the roof, the little dining area on the roof of the KFC. Okay. Well, so, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. They are, they are evidently yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. So you initially went to Honduras. <laughs> uh, your goal in moving to Honduras was to help with was it was it women and sex trafficking? Is that right. specifically what you went right. for? Yes. So that was the initial mission. Right. Now your mission has changed a couple of times since you've been there. Yes. Yes. So and I don't even know if I'm current on what it has evolved into most recently. The last time we spoke, of course, you had to go through the pandemic there. Right. So you right. guys were very similar to here. You were locked down. You couldn't really leave your apartment building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little bit more strictly enforced there, I think, than it was. It was. Yeah, we were we were actually on a number system corresponding with the numbers on our IDs. And so we were only allowed to go out to stores every two weeks for a good portion of, of 2020. So, And we were actually still under, they made the mask mandate a law down there. So I will have to go back to using a mask in public places when I go back they will have to pass a law to change that back. Oh, wow. So that'll be kind of a switch to, okay. to have to go back to. But yeah. But everything else is pretty much open back up. So. Okay. So they, they like had police enforcing, you're not supposed to be out. You're supposed to be wearing a mask. Right. So that's a little different right. than what we, we did a here. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But... So, so that changed, obviously, your mission a little bit while you were there because you couldn't interact with the people. Sure, yeah. So you switched over at some point to being more of support for people who were already there doing missions. Right. And then you were talking before we went uh, on the recording that there are people who are in the far remote regions who are missionaries who are doing far remote stuff. And you help mm-hmm. support them as well with right. the work that they do. Yeah. So is that still what you're doing? Are you still in a support role? It is, yes. So I had just come out of a two-year sabbatical going into 2020 and thought I was ready to jump back into full-time ministry, ready to, to see what God had next, and then everything shut down. So, um, But because I wasn't associated with a specific ministry, I wasn't necessarily going out with missionaries to take, they were taking food bags of rice and beans and coffee and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I had just shared that on Facebook and had a couple people just had started messaging me and saying, hey, where can we send money so that you can decide who gets money to, to take out food bags? And so that was kind of how it 
just kind of slowly started to see just that support of well, I'm connected with these people and I make lots of friends wherever I go. And so, you know, I was connected then to lots of other missionaries. So it was really fun to be able to message somebody and say, hey, give me your PayPal so I can just send you like $50 or send you $100 for food bags. And so that's how that kind of came about um, to be able to, we were talking earlier about allowing missionaries to stay in my house, whether it's just a couple nights. I actually had a family that of four that while I was house sitting for somebody else, my apartment was empty, so they were able to stay in my apartment. It was close to where they needed to be, and it was a secure location for them. And so that was kind of how that started of just, okay, well, I do have these resources. I have these connections in the States that I can connect with people in Honduras. And so it was just really cool how God kind of orchestrated that and um, just allowed that to kind of shift and change and and kind of come about. So that gives you a lot of opportunity to really see a, at least some of the work, if not the actual people themselves, in a lot of diverse regions yeah. and a lot of diverse ministry that's right. going on. Right. Tell me about some of the other missionaries that you're supporting. Who, who all are you working with right now? Right now, my main focus right now is teenagers whose parents are serving in Honduras. Um, and so that will be when I go back down, that will be kind of my focal point of planning a camp for those kids mm-hmm. just to give them a chance to be teenagers together. And these, um, these are typically American kids. Right, right. There are a few of them that are Hondurans that have been adopted by North Americans and have grown up more in that environment than in a Honduran home. So it's 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 a really interesting mix to see those kids that have grown up in Honduras but are North American, but ones that have grown up then with a North American family but are Honduran. And so it's just kind of fun to to see them interact and see that. So when I go back down immediately, we have a retreat next week for missionaries just throughout the country to come just for a couple days and just just to retreat and and to rest and have somebody else cook for them and mm-hmm. you know to be a part of worshiping in English some of them only get to worship in Spanish which is a beautiful thing but right you know it is nice sometimes to be able to worship in your native language well in a break of any kind is right. something that is you know so necessary and right. we we were talking a little bit before I, you've touched on two things right there that I'd like to dive a little deeper into and that is the missionary kids mm-hmm. let's talk about their lives a little bit yeah. but also the fact that the missionaries are really in the field working mm-hmm. 24/7 because when you're there you know kind of infiltrating if you will a culture and in making friends and forming those relationships, that that's not a eight hour a day job. Right. That that's a twenty four seven kind of situation. Absolutely. And we were talking about how people can show up at your door at midnight or mm-hmm. you know, you can get a phone call at three AM and and be called into service even though it's not maybe your primary vocation there. The reason you're there is, you know, the mission. Right. right. So you could end up, you know, holding someone's hand from an accident or mm-hmm. sickness or something like that mm-hmm. at three in the morning. Yeah. But a lot of the kids, the kids didn't really choose this life necessarily. No, no. And there are definitely a lot of them that just are not, they're not okay with being there, with being taken away from what, because some of them do move to Honduras when they're teenagers. Some of them are born there, but, um, and those that are born there seem to do a little bit better emotionally with with living there because they don't know any different. But for the ones that, you know, move when they're 9, 10, 11 years old, they remember life in the States. And so some of them, not all kids, I mean, it depends on their personality too, but a lot of them do struggle with that, with this is not familiar, I don't look like I fit in. Mm -hmm. 
this is mom and dad's ministry. They brought me here. And so, you know, and that can cause some issues within the home too of parents knowing that they're called, but you know, their kids are unhappy. And so that can, can create, could say stress and arguments or, you know, whatever within the home that, that can affect ministry for and that, sure. That can be damaging as well to their spiritual right lives right. Uh, of the kids. And right. I mean, here you are as parents, and this happens a lot in ministry is, you know, the parents are like working so hard mm-hmm. outside of the family mm-hmm. to to win the loss, to serve a community, to share Jesus with a culture or even, you know, local, you know, in a church. Right. And they neglect the people right under their own roof. Right. Because that their focus is external. So those kids, I would think that would be even worse in an environment like that where they feel so disconnected and there are mm-hmm. so few programs that connect with them uh, with their backgrounds and, right. and with their culture, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, in, you know, I live in the, in the capital cities. There are more families there where the teens can be a little bit more connected to other teens and can be a little bit more involved in things outside of the home. But for some of the families, they're in villages outside of the city and they're the only North American family there. And so for some of those kids, they don't necessarily have, you know, they can go to youth group or, you know, activities, but it's not going to be with people that they perceive that are like them. And so for, especially for those kids, they welcome that chance to be with other people that get them, you Mm -hmm. know, and even if they don't necessarily, I mean, sometimes they will talk about it and have their inside jokes, but you know, for some of them, it's just, just when I hang out with somebody else who speaks English and somebody else who's teen years are awkward anyway, but you Mm -hmm. know, somebody else who's just as awkward as I am in this stage and where we are just to be able just to hang out and just be goofy teenagers together and, you know, and know that there's, even if it's never spoken, there's just that, that common bond between them that, Mm -hmm. you know, they get me. Yeah. And that's one of the camps you do, right? right? So, so you have these kids who are coming together Mm -hmm. and they may not even know the other kids in in the camp because they're coming from all over Honduras, I'm assuming. So they're, they're somewhat isolated and, you know, if powers, you know, as rough as it is like where you are Mm -hmm. and the more remote regions, I'm sure it's even worse. Right. So they may not have internet, social media, the ability to connect and and talk to each other. Yeah. So you're bringing people in. Uh, We we were discussing before that you you are blessed to have a really neat friend group Mm -hmm. here in Kentucky. Yeah. And I think I think I've not talked to a lot of missionaries, but I think you're unique in that you get visited by a lot of people. And, I do. and you get visited frequently. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unique that you have that, but you have an exceptional group of people uh, that are coming down and helping with mm-hmm. different things. And one of them is our one of our mutually favorite people. Right. Uh, is John Kelly is yes. just one of the coolest dudes I know. Uh, used to be in a band, uh, still sings, does yeah. worship, yeah. pastor's kid, preacher himself. Right. Uh, grew up in the church, knows what it's like to grow up under the the spotlight and the magnifying glass that is being a pastor's kid. Doesn't know about being a missionary kid necessarily, but he knows about growing up in a ministry family and he's coming down and he's done some, some, uh, units, I guess, or whatever you'd call it in in camp. Mm -hmm. Because he sings and and preaches both, doesn't he? When he comes down. Well, he didn't, 
he didn't want to sing as much. Like he wanted to focus more on just the pastoring aspect and he's getting more and doing the messages. Now. As, as he's aging, he's getting right, more. He's putting the right. guitar down more and picking fo- up the Bible more. <laughs> <laughs> more focused. Yes. I mean, we kind of we didn't have a set worship leader even this year so far, but last year he and I led the first night of of worship for the kids. Um, and then it was just kind of cool to see the kids kind of fill that in. And I kind of helped some with them other nights. Um, so as I grew up doing music and being in choirs and that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of not something I had planned to do, which is funny how, That's how those things work out. That's you your know? life story though, uh-huh, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was because they did move a lot when he was a, a teenager, that aspect, he was able to, you know, to relate to the kids on that of, because some of them do move, you know, they'll work with the ministry for a year or so, and then maybe God moves them to another part of the country. And so, but just, I think just in general of kind of being under that microscope and the expectations of what, you know, pastors, kids usually go one way or the other, right. you know, and so living under that microscope of expectation, you know, we're going to watch to see which way this kid goes and see which way this one goes. And yep. so, but, but he also, the first night he had, you know, everything planned out of what he was going to say all week and what the messages were going to look like. And after about a half an hour of talking to the kids, he came over and he said, so I'm going to have to go and rewrite everything that I had written down. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I was kind of confused. And he said, these kids are just on a whole different level of understanding. He said, I just have to totally rewrite everything, you know, but, but it was cool to see him interact with them because there was a level, even though I've spent more time with them, there was just that, that commonality that, you know, they could kind of relate and he could be goofy and silly with them. And, you know, it was somebody coming from the outside too, but, right. but that was, yeah, cool to see. And even this year for camp, we have a couple of adult MKs who are coming that have grown up on the mission field. Actually, one of them grew up in Honduras herself. And so she's coming back to help with camp. And then one of the wives of the adult missionary kids is a pastor's kid herself. And so it's just kind of really neat to see with the adults that are coming that they're all kind of involved in that or not involved, but that was their upbringing as well. So it's just kind of neat to see how God placed those specific people who can relate to the teens in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, Laura Baxter is our special guest today. She is a missionary from Central Kentucky who is living currently in Honduras mm-hmm. uh, as a missionary to, I want to say a missionary to missionaries, yeah. but I don't know. Is that, yeah. is that right? Is yeah. that, is that how you feel? That's correct. Yeah. You're uh, you're the supply sergeant. You're the quartermaster for all of the, uh, the missionaries down there who's helping out with getting goods and resources from here mm-hmm. to there and, yeah. and, and you don't just do one thing. You try right. to sum it up with that, but right. with, with the camp, I, I would think that organizing and running the camp is significant mm-hmm. and takes up a lot of your time. Sure. That sure. so I mean that a lot. I would how, you do one week of camp a year. We do one week. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that's got to be a couple months worth of planning probably that it go is. into that. It is, and I do have I could say co-conspirator, but I have a a co-director that she has. She and her husband have four natural born children and four foster children that they're in the process of adopting. And so she and I met at the camp for missionary kids several years ago. And so last year we kind of talked about bringing the teen camp back. And so I do at least have somebody to kind of throw ideas off. And she's more of the financial planner on that. And so we balance each other out really well in that with so 
that's helpful to have somebody else that and she can kind of bounce ideas off of her kids too to say hey do you think this is going to be a cool game or do you think it's going to kind of flop you know so that that's helpful as <laughs> exactly well, exactly you know, to get their feedback yeah is this cool or lame i'm not sure right yeah. right yeah yeah once you get over a certain age you don't know anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> not that you're anywhere near unless that. unless the kids tell you that, that yes exactly that's, when that's, you know, right? that's what they're there for right that's, yep. that they seem to think that is their purpose in yep. life yeah uh so you do that you also work with some other missionaries who are you know more in the field you had mentioned mm-hmm. before we started recording that you have some missionaries who have an airplane yes that you you help out with a little bit yeah and and they're um, flying into the more remote regions right right which and, is you know not something i mean you at least I did, and I know a lot of people probably do. That's kind of what they initially think of with missionaries, that they live kind of in these remote places. I always and think some of a grass do. hut. That's just, right. I, I imagine Gilligan's right. Island has yep. cuts, you yep. know, just that without the, the howls. Yep. And it's just very, <laughs> you know, kind of thrown together and mm-hmm. everybody's in a loincloth mm-hmm. and, and you're there in your, your khakis and your button down trying to share Jesus right. is, yeah. is the mental image yeah. that is always conjured up. Well, yeah, that was my first impression when somebody first asked me at 18, have you ever thought about being a missionary? And that was the first image that popped in my head. And I thought, um, no, absolutely not. That I have considered it and I've decided all. that's yep. not for me. Yeah, thank <laughs> yep. you for asking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and now here you are. Here I am a couple of days later, you know. Um, so the pilots, tell us about the pilots. So the pilots. So they live in an island kind of off of the mainland. And the only way to get to that island is by airplane. And so, but they are able to, within either the island or even places off of the coast, that they can fly to and bring medical supplies or bring food or, you know, literature or whatever the people there need. And so that just, not a ministry that you would necessarily think of, but it's, it's one that is very much needed. Oh, you know, absolutely. To be able to, to get to people there. And and previous missionaries have established relationships with those people. So it's not just, you know, these random white people coming in with the plane. <laughs> like, we are here to take care of you. We are here to save you. Literally you know? dropping it out of the sky. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, but they come to the mainland. It's like a half an hour flight from where they are to the mainland so that they can come in and so that they can get supplies. And of course, they have a weight limit because it is a smaller plane, but right. but just to be able to come in and, you know, just to refresh or even just this is a family. One of the families has become a good friend of mine. And so just they can come in. And since I can't fly a plane and I'm not going to be able <laughs> to drive my car to go visit them, you know, that's a good way just to catch up and right. and let them be able to to take nice, warm indoor showers and, you know, laundry and plumbing and all of that that's a little bit I say a little bit more reliable more reliable than it would be for them on, right on oh definitely way. yeah for um, sure so sometimes it just depends on the day but yeah just to and we talked about just the, the need for a respite just just a little right. break you know right. yeah um, yeah. you know we all typically work a 40-hour week but yet mm-hmm. we still take little weekend getaways and a couple right. of vacations a year and that kind of stuff for a missionary in the field again it's a 24 7 365 often yeah and just those little respites just to get away and go somewhere different frankly yeah, yeah. let alone just a little bit nicer with a, a couple more creature conference mm-hmm. to do some laundry right yeah yeah, and that that's something that is so basic, you know, but you don't necessarily, even sometimes just getting in your routine of thinking, I'm just going to do laundry and get that done, you know, but that's just something so basic that's just nice to have clean clothes or, you know, to be able to throw them in the dryer during rainy season and not, you mm-hmm. know, have your clothes hanging out for three days 
while it continually rains and just waiting for a dry day so you finally get them dry uh-huh. you know it's just those just those little things that are are huge sometimes uh-huh. to be able to do mm-hmm. and you're able through the support that you receive to right. provide support by extension to people like that right absolutely yeah yeah and that that was the basis of using the name that I did for the ministry it's Joanna Ministries um, because she was connected with her husband was an official in Herod's court and if anybody has watched The Chosen she was actually introduced in season three um, but because she had those resources of whatever her husband could get from the court or from other officials that then she could be a resource for Jesus's ministry and to help the disciples and to kind of prepare if they were going someplace to be able to prepare ahead of time or, um, and so just in looking for names for the ministry that when I originally named my nonprofit, I was not thinking of helping missionaries. So again, how Jesus works things out to say, this is how you're going to name your ministry because of that. But because I do have those resources, then I am able to say, Hey, we have a kid that needs to go to camp, but they can't afford the plane ticket. You know, and I have people that I can just message and say, this is how much the plane ticket is. Can you help out with that? And so to be able just to have that, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of them aren't monthly supporters. They're just people that if something comes up, I can message them. And so, you, but you need both, you know, to be able to, to have the monthly supporters that can help with groceries or things that right. just are around all the time. But, but yeah, to be able to have those people to say, this is what we need and, you know, how can we connect you with them or, you know, get the money to them? And so, yeah, it just, we use the word blessing a lot, but it is really a blessing to be able to message people and say, I can cover that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, Let, let's go ahead and touch on how people can connect with you. Okay. How, how, what is the easiest way to follow what you're doing in your ministry and keep up with you and even help you? Probably the easiest way is just to send me an email and then I can kind of send links to Facebook. Um, but it's Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Ministries, I-N-C, like incorporated, at gmail.com. Okay. And then I can set them up with a Facebook link or Instagram and just kind of go from there. And pull, pull people along. Right. And, right. And, and do you do a newsletter? on top of that and, and stuff like yes. that. Okay. So you can get signed up for newsletters right, and just right. sort of keep track of what's going on. And if nothing right. else, I mean, you're not necessarily asking for financial support. Right. Obviously sure. you could use it, sure. but yeah. you know, prayers and, and people just kind of staying in touch with the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to be able to put, I try to do it once a month. Sometimes it's a little bit later. Sometimes I send out two a month, but, um, just cause I get behind as, as stuff is happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but a lot of it is just to be able to put pictures up, you know, and just to share, because not everybody is going to be able to come visit, but so to at least share pictures of this is what I saw when I was out driving today, or this is what we did with the community group, and just so people can kind of get a visual of, you know, what things look like, or sometimes I'll take pictures just driving around town, and we'll put those in the newsletter, just Mm-hmm. This is what the market looks like, or this is what, you know, there was a roadblock today because of a protest. Like, this right. is what that looks like, you know, and, and to give a chance to explain things, too, that, you know, because the media, media doesn't always post 
post the most positive updates or, right. or share the best news. And so just to be able to share, because, I mean, it is messy sometimes, but yeah, yeah but to be definitely. able to share from, from that perspective as well. Okay. Well, give me the email address one more time for everybody. It's Joanna Ministries, I-N-C, at gmail.com. All right. You can email Laura there and she'll uh, answer some of your questions or get you on the newsletter mailing list. And you can learn more all about the awesome work she's doing in Honduras and maybe even some mission opportunities, if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, for sure. All right, Laura. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much again for for meeting me here at Mono's uh, Coffee in Nicholasville so that we could uh, have this chat. Yeah, it was good. It's always good to catch up and just to give an update on, on everything that's going on. If you enjoyed that conversation with Laura Baxter and want to learn more about her ministry, you can go back and check out the previous podcast I did with her. Uh, I believe it was our fourth or fifth podcast on the series. So if you go back to uh, my website, BensonGregory.com, you can find a link to it there and give it a listen. And you can also email her and she'll be more than happy to respond and uh, fill you all in on all kinds of great service opportunities and the great work that she's doing there. Uh, Speaking of my website, be sure to visit it uh, for more information on this podcast. If you would like to be a guest on this podcast uh, or if you'd like to share it with your friends, I would really appreciate you sharing. Uh, That would be fantastic. But either way, thank you so much for listening. And also a big shout out to Mono's Coffee in Nicholasville. I want to thank them for allowing us to record the podcast here today. They have been a fantastic host and some really awesome coffee. Be sure to check out their website, too. It's Mono's Coffee in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Benson Gregory. Thanks for listening. This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Your support means a lot. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you for listening.